0: This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 111, with Keith Weinold.
1: Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscheron.
0: Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. A fantastic show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at the five mindset myths that are destroying your wealth. I'm very excited to have Get Rich Education's Keith Weinold on the show. Keith is the founder of Get Rich Education and Keith teaches others about the life altering power of investing especially through real estate he hosts one of america's top investing podcasts Get Rich Education with 35,000 monthly listens in about 174 countries. He's heard everywhere from iTunes to iHeartRadio and regularly hosts well-known guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Harry Dent. Keith is an active contributing writer to Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors himself. How did it all start for Keith? Well, in 2002, it started when it was time to purchase his first home and Keith transformed from a rent paying tenant into a real estate investor overnight. He bought in Anchorage, Alaska, a fourplex building, living in one unit while renting out the other three. Today, Keith actively invests in income property both nationally and internationally. Starting his mentorships informally with a whiteboard and easel in his dining room, Keith inspires by helping students answer their compelling why today. Key's mindset and investment philosophy can be summarized in the Rich Dad quote, Don't live below your means. Expand your means. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts by tweeting me on Twitter at MC Lobster or by emailing me at info at ninja.com And please remember to subscribe to our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja one word all capitalized to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you rich, rich dad, poor dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit Join Ops Properties at JoinUp'sProperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry, and international coffee farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can also grab a free audiobook download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. <laughs> Keith, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, MC. I appreciate being here.
0: Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners?
2: Yeah, I sure can. Well, I did not come from an entrepreneurial or a real estate family at all, but my family instilled a seed in me that it's important to travel and get out and see the world that you live in. So growing up, Alaska is one of the places that I vacationed to four times. I didn't have a lot of money or means. I was actually using someone else's airline miles to get to Alaska. And it got instilled in me that Anchorage, Alaska fits my lifestyle so well that I moved to anchorage alaska and shortly after moving from pennsylvania where i was born and raised to alaska i kind of fell in with what i would call a pretty aspirational group of friends right you want to change yourself you want to know how far you're going to go in life just go ahead and take a look at your friends and that's probably going to tell you a lot of what you need to know and mc shortly after settling in anchorage alaska a place i had dreamed of living it was about time for me to come of age and buy my first home i was just working an everyday work a day job you know, saving, you know, having some liquidity, setting aside some money. And what those friends did, which gave me confidence that I could do, is the first ever piece of real estate I bought, my first ever home, was a fourplex building where I had lived in one unit and rented out the other three. So that's how I started with a bang.
0: That is amazing that I'm sitting in Pennsylvania, (laughs) where you're from, (laughs) and you're up there. um, So you enjoy the outdoors, the the lifestyle that it brings. Share a little bit more. what, What is life like up in Anchorage?
2: Well, it's kind of funny. Sometimes uh, someone will see a picture of me in my Anchorage home, and they're surprised. It doesn't look like a cabin. What? It looks like a modern home. Well, where's the snow? Well, I'm telling them, well, there's there's no snow. It's it's the spring, or this photo was taken in the summer. So um, it's a modern, progressive city of 300,000 people. And I choose to live here because I'm 10 minutes from an international airport and I like to travel. And with just a short drive from my home, about a half mile from my home, I don't even need to drive there. I could be in an expansive wilderness area where moose are just wildly grazing around. And, you know, to get to all these places in and around Anchorage, there are no traffic problems. So it's a really high quality of life. Now, the winters do get a little long, dark, and cold, but the summers are milder than most people think. So I can really live a great quality of life, have all the amenities that I can have in a city of this size, and yet have great access to wilderness.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And and I love your philosophy. Obviously, following you and your podcast, live where you want to live and invest where you want to invest. And you've invested all across uh, the United States and the world of different investments in the world. So you truly, uh, (laughs) you practice what you preach.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty common mantra once you get into real estate investing. You know, most real estate investors start with a property and they look at properties in their local area. Once you get big picture, you learn that, oh, well, your market probably doesn't have the right ratio of rent income to purchase price. And more likely than not, you're better off investing in a different geography, which is easier to do than ever with a, a trusted turnkey management company. So that's why they say, live where you want to live but invest where the numbers make sense. I think a lot of real estate investors are good at investing where the numbers make sense once they get that big picture wherewithal, but they forget about the live where you want to live part. Why aren't you living where you want to live? I mean, this is your one life. This is not a rehearsal, and it's easier than ever to live where you want to live with technology and and cloud computing and virtual commuting and everything else.
0: You've made some fantastic points about debunking myths that are out there and write fantastic articles that are very, very eye-opening and great for, for your mindset on the Rich Dad Advisors website. And uh, you and I have discussed five mindset myths that are holding people back from building, lasting, sustainable wealth. Can you share that with my listeners?
2: Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about five mindset myths that are killing your wealth. And when I state each of these five myths, you know, I, I think you, and when I say you, I'm talking about the listener here, I, I think you're going to have this reaction to want to recoil and say, I, I don't believe that to be true, because I have believed this other notion for so long, this middle class notion for so long. But I'm telling yourself, um, I'm asking yourself rather to suspend disbelief. What we want to do here is bridge the gap between what you believe to be true and what really is true. And that's called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is that gap that you need to close between what you were raised to think is true and what's actually true. And the first thing is that, okay, as an investor, you know that you don't just want to work for money. It's a great thing to get your money to work for you. Well, I'm telling you right now, if you only get your money to work for you, you're never going to be wealthy. And that is a mindset shift for some people. So you need to uh, sort of abandon these scarcity mindsets and adopt an abundance mindset. Rather than getting your money to work for you, you need to get other people's money to ethically work for you if you want to create wealth for yourself. Well, how do you get other people's money to ethically work for you? Are you just asking someone to show up to work for you and you're not doing anything? No, you're creating value. Let's take it back to the fourplex building. When I bought a fourplex, I used other people's money three ways at the same time. Number one, I used the bank's money for a loan. I only had to put a 3.5% down payment on a fourplex building. You can still do that today, by the way, with an FHA loan. So number one, I got the bank's money to work for me by borrowing 96.5% from them. Secondly, I got the tenant's money to work for me with cash flow. And before you buy a fourplex with an FHA loan, you can even use 75% of the existing tenant's rent income toward your qualifications. So you're using other people's money prior to even purchasing the building and then again after you purchase the building. And then the third way you're using other people's money is you're getting the tax benefits on an entire four-unit building with both the mortgage interest deduction and the depreciation. So you're using other people's money three ways at the same time. That's the first of five mindset myths that you need to overcome. Don't just get your money to work for you or you won't create wealth. You need to get other people's money working. The second mindset myth is that you don't want to be debt free. You're thinking that you want to be debt free, but you don't. You need to abandon that. That's a middle class mindset. Rather than being debt free, you want to be financially free. Abandon debt free. Debt free just means you don't owe anyone anything. Financially free means you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Now, which sounds better to you, being debt-free or being financially free? See, see, back to the fourplex building, or really almost any property you buy with a loan, it's a great example. Say, let's just say you buy a $100,000 turnkey property off in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, a popular market to invest in out-of-state. If you buy a $100,000 property, you take out an $80,000 loan, Every bit of that debt is outsourced to the tenant. So after you take the tenant's rent income each month and deduct all your expenses, including that mortgage that they're paying down for you, you have residual income left over, passive income. And if that one hundred thousand dollar property appreciates six percent, that's six thousand dollars. You only have twenty k into the deal. That's a thirty percent rate of return right there. You created leverage—a six thousand dollar appreciation return divided by only twenty k that you got into it. How did you get a thirty percent return? Leverage—you borrowed other people's money because you weren't afraid of being debt free. That's what creates wealth: residual income streams and leverage. That's the second mindset myth that's killing your wealth. Don't be debt free. Be financially free. The third one is that you think compound interest is going to take you to the promised land or create financial freedom or create some great life. Compound interest is not enough alone. You need leverage with your compound interest, and I think I just gave an example of that. I think a lot of compound interest proponents, they like to say, well, look at the example of the penny. Uh, what is it, MC? If you take a penny and you uh, you double it every day for 30 days, you'll be a millionaire by day 30. But <laughs> no, one, no one gets 100% rates of return. That's what you would need to do if compound interest were going to create wealth for you. So you need leverage with debt, not compound interest. I'm sorry, compound interest is slow and lame. It won't get you there. It's leverage. And that's the third of five mindset myths that are killing your well
0: and not even uh, an uninterrupted compound interest doesn't even do that for you.
2: Sure, and the compound interest—the real rate of return—is typically watered down with inflation, with fees, with that emotional predisposition to sell at low and buy high, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Because most people associate compound interest with stocks. Well, there's no there's no panic selling in real estate. Okay, it's much more stable, so you're a lot less likely to sell low and buy high with something more stable and less liquid like real estate. So the fourth mindset myth that's killing your wealth is people think that their home equity has a rate of return. I'm telling you, your rate of return from home equity is and always will be zero. Okay. Now return on equity, that's something else. That's a different calculation. But the reason that the return from equity is zero is because, and first of all, equity is how much skin in the game you have in your home. If you have a $500,000 home and a $300,000 mortgage balance, you have two hundred dollars in equity, okay? But appreciation of that property is completely independent of whether there's equity in that home or not. So equity itself doesn't create or generate any sort of return, Okay, so the rate of return from home equity is zero. Whether that property goes up or down has nothing to do with the amount of equity in a home. That has things to do with what are job patterns like theirs, or there job increases, or in migration, out migration, what's the remaining supply of developable land, um, and all these things that put pressure on prices. But it has nothing to do with what's inside the home. It has to do with what's outside the home, exterior forces. That's what has to do with appreciation. So therefore, it's smart to go ahead and spread your equity out in a number of properties. Do cash out refis. Steal your equity when you do that.
0: Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And especially if it's a primary residence, too, you have to look at it from, as from a business side, too, as uh, the cost of capital, as businesses would look at their own capital because it has a cost sitting there. There's an opportunity cost for it just sitting there uh, and not doing anything for you.
2: You're right. And a lot of people disregard that. And before you take a, out a cash out refinance on an income property and you put it into other income property, you know, you just want to pay attention to what your projected cash flow is going to be from going ahead and making a measure like that. But yeah, that's the fourth of five mindset myths killing your wealth. People who think that equity has a rate of return. Well, it does. It's it's zero. <laughs> and then the fifth one, it's it's kind of a, a mindset centered one MC. That is, it's that Robert Kiyosaki quotable Don't live below your means. Expand your means. It takes just as much energy to do mind-expanding activities than it does mindset-limiting activities. Don't let the Groupon app dictate where you and your wife are going to have dinner tomorrow night. (laughs) Instead, take the time to learn about a wealth creation principle like a 1031 exchange. That's an example of not living below your means but putting your mind and your faculties into expanding your means. Uh, You know, Another one is... I don't recommend that people manage their own properties for long. Do it for a year or two so that you learn it and then outsource it because how many properties can you self-manage? You don't want to be the best property manager that you can be. So outsource management and that's the way that you can grow. That's the way that you can make it scalable. So that's just another example there of the fifth of five mindset myths. Don't live below your means. Expand your means and bridge that cognitive dissonance. I know some of what I said is going to be kind of mind-bending to some people, but Open your mind and kind of bridge that gap between what you believed to be true and what is true. And listen to people that are actually doing it and putting it into practice, not just somebody that read it in a book. This stuff works. This is how I live. This is what I do.
0: No, fantastic. And thank you for sharing sharing those. Um, I love the abundance mindset mentality. Uh, once you flip that switch in your life and go from a scarcity mindset to a, a mindset of abundance and start to seeing a world of opportunities out there for you, um, it, it's a, another world that opens up. And in this day and age, this time that we live in, Keith, is, it's amazing. I mean, it's you and I are sitting in two different parts of the world, literally – having a conversation and sharing this conversation with listeners across
2: the world. Yeah, we're having a great chat and the opportunities are limitless. And, you know, so it's really refreshing once you open up your mind to these things and you start putting them into practice. But, you know, having this knowledge alone isn't enough. It was Sir Francis Bacon in the 16th century that said knowledge is power. I disagree with that. And I think increasingly people do. Knowledge plus action equals power. Simply having these sort of paradigms in your head aren't enough unless you act on them. So I really implore your listeners to act on them. Look, when a person comes of age and they get out of college or trade school or whatever, and it's time for them to buy their, um, rather, it's time for them to work their first job. No one ever says, I'm going to go out and live a small life now that I'm out of school. But you know what? That's exactly what everyone ends up going out and doing, thinking short term, thinking, how can I just get a paycheck and living a small life and it's a trap that they fall into you don't have to do that you can change
0: and that goes back to the conversation that you and i had too just about the educational system overall i mean what's the story about the class where in grade one the teacher asks all the the, the children who wants to be an astronaut you know and, and the entire class raises <laughs> their their hands and the the next question is you know who 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 can paint who's a great painter And everybody's jumping out of their chairs. And then by the time we leave, and even in university, there's still somebody, as you said, we never ever proclaim that we're going to be average and live small, but we do in fact do
2: that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what everyone goes out and does. And, you know, it's a little bit of a sad thing to say, MC, but most people die about age 25. It's just that they're not buried until age 85. And that's a really sad thing to say. But when your dream dies, when you've given up that dream of wanting to be an astronaut or wanting to be a fireman or or whatever it was, why did you let that die? because you chose to settle that's the reason most people die about age 25 and that's really sad you can resurrect yourself you can come back you are the president of your own life it doesn't matter who the u.s. president is or anybody else it's you
0: amen i have said that over and over in this uh... This year, when the topic of this uh, presidential election kept coming up, and I'd said that you are the president and the CEO of your life. It doesn't matter who who's the, who's in the White House. You're the person that's in charge of your life. That's going to determine your outcome. And people have to empower themselves again. And it's it all starts with that uh, that piece of real estate in between your ears, right?
2: That's right. It's all about changing how you're thinking.
0: You're listening to Keith Weinold on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half acre parcels in title. Already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You are listening to Keith Weinhold on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. Now, you've had success investing across different asset classes and creating income streams as an investor and entrepreneur. And this is, of course, what this show is all about, cash flow and creating multiple income streams across different asset classes. Can you share your overall investment philosophy uh, as you go uh, and explore opportunities?
2: Yeah, invest in hard assets principally for cash flow. Sure, I think about elements like leverage. I think about elements like arbitrage. Arbitrage means borrowing at a lower rate and investing at a higher rate. But it really begins with what's going to produce cash flow? What's going to produce that passive income stream that sets me free? And it's about the durability of an income stream. You know, I suggest most people be invested in at least three or four different geographic markets when it comes to something like passive cash flowing residential real estate. Any fewer than three or four, and you're not very well diversified across markets, if you get any into any more, five, six, seven, or eight, well, then you're having to like get all these property manager statements, and you're kind of having to interpret too many. So three or four is a good number between diversification and just your own asset management, However, you might not only want to be invested in residential real estate. For example, I'm invested outside the country, including in cash-flowing agricultural parcels that someone else manages for me. And I get an annual income check from the sale of the harvest of annual coffee beans. So with something like that, it's managed for me, I'm diversified internationally, and I'm also diversified in a different area asset class i think u.s residential real estate is going to be a great place to be for a lot of years but if it all falls apart the coffee trees are going to keep growing in panama okay it's not subject to janet yellen's quarter point interest rate hikes okay it's just shielded from an awful lot of things and it's very different from what i'm doing here in the u.s for example so that's just one example of diversification
0: You've shared before, too, how now it's a great time to become a real estate investor and invest in real estate in the United States. Can you share uh, some other points, too, why you think now is such a good time to become a real estate investor?
2: There's a lot of reasons as we move toward the year 2020 that it's a an unusually good time to be a real estate investor. The first one, I think, is one that people just tend to disregard because we've kind of been bathed in this bath of low interest rates for so long now, MC. But low interest rates is something that we can still lock in for 30 years and have the tenant paid down for us at the same time people overlook that because interest rates have been so low for so long another reason is more millennials are entering prime renter age and they're the largest generation they're larger than the baby boomers they became the largest generation in 2015 Um, College costs are rising faster than inflation. So that means that this biggest generation, MC, that means that the millennials, they're kind of saddled with this student loan debt and they can't form a housing payment. So a greater proportion of them have got to rent. So there's really a lot of these demographic factors that are making it a great time for us to be a real estate investor and we go rent properties to others. And a lot of those are demographics. And you can look up these demographics in a chart. But, you know, there's also the component of what I'll call psychographics, not just demographics, but there's a psychological component to these millennials. Because years ago, millennials, they saw their parents lose their home in the mortgage meltdown of 2008 and 2009, and that happened during those millennials' formative years. So a lot of millennials kind of have this negative connotation with homeownership. They don't want to buy, and that drives rental demand.
0: Yeah they've seen their their parents uh hurt uh during the last downturn so a lot of them um have a completely different view on home ownership um than for instance my generation or our
2: generation has yeah that's right and You know, I don't know that this recovery that the United States is having is very real. I mean, the job growth has actually been pretty tepid. A lot of these jobs that have been added and count on the employment figures are just part-time jobs, and a lot of them are low-paying jobs. Well, that right there, that means that fewer would-be homeowners can form a down payment. That keeps them renting as well. And you know what? If you don't have a great job, well, well, then how are you going to live? You know, you're going to be a lot less likely to commit or stay put or buy a home in one place if you don't have a great job there, well, that right there, that makes you more likely to rent because you know you want to retain greater mobility for a better job opportunity because you don't really like your life that much right now. That's how a lot of millennials are living. So all these trends, they've resulted in the United States now having the lowest home ownership rate since 1965, and everyone, demographers, economists, they expect that that's just going to continue. So this really drives rental demand. It's making rental occupancy for real estate investors like me quite high, and monthly rental amounts are rising even faster than inflation in a lot of the U.S. markets, and this is just enriching us as real estate investors, and everyone thinks it's going to move along. And if demographics and psychographics aren't enough, we've also got these technology trends conspiring to make things better for the residential real estate investor, there's just more of a focus on people wanting to be in their home for housing demand because you have this enhanced ability to work from home with conferencing software like like Skype or like workflow software like Asana or Slack. It just makes going to an office less necessary. It makes office space less necessary. Home shopping, Amazon-like trends, I mean, that just continues to eat away at retail space demand. So, I mean, the ball is really moving to the residential court in a lot of sub-markets. And, you know, another reason is population growth i mean united states real estate investors tend to overlook this because most of them have lived in the united states their entire life but just simply the economics 101 of supply and demand the u.s population keeps growing it's easy to take that for granted but population losses in places like germany and japan they create excess housing capacity on massive scales in some places over there that just doesn't happen here more or less
0: yeah, very, very interesting trends that you're mentioning. And I agree with you about them being mobile too and having mobility, especially the millennials. And I've spoken about that on the show uh, before as well. It's it's going to be key to go where the opportunities are and not being tied down anywhere. So I don't see that changing as well. Um, but really interesting uh, trends that you mentioned. Now, Keith, when you look at investments, do you have a checklist or... Are there foundational principles and values that you draw from to make decisions when opportunities are presented to you?
2: Yeah, well, it really starts with, with cash flow. That's where it begins. And you know, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to thinking, am I really creating value for others in the world? Am I doing something that I can feel good about? I travel to a lot of markets. I meet the property management team. I look at the housing stock that they have there. And my mission as a real estate investor is to provide society with, it's really a fourfold mission of integrity with the housing. It's to provide housing that's clean, safe, affordable, and functional. I feel like I'm creating value for society if I'm doing clean, safe, affordable, and functional. I never get called a slumlord that way, okay? It's always kind of weird getting called a slumlord. I never really know what someone means when they say that, but you're a lot less likely to get called one if you fulfill that mission of clean, safe, affordable, and functional. Now, on the other end, as soon as I begin to try to do beautiful when I try to fulfill beautiful in the mission and have you know Corinthian columns and you know fancy doorknobs and light switches that are over the top, that usually doesn't pay off for the residential cash-flowing real estate investor. Sure, there's exceptions, but I don't want to go beyond clean, safe, affordable, and functional. Otherwise, I'm not profitable.
0: And a key word for my listeners listening to what Keith is saying, mission came up. So when, whether you're an entrepreneur or investor, that is a cardinal. Can you speak just to the importance of that mission, Keith?
2: Yeah. You know, when you project your mission onto others and you let your you know, property manager or business associates, do so, and and you just tell them something like, your mission is clean, safe, affordable, and functional, yours might be a little bit different than that, people really begin to like you, people really begin to to buy into what you're doing, and they want you to do well, and they want to do well for you, because they'll know that you have a mission that's greater than yourself, so, you know, think about what really resonates with you, what matters to you deep down in your heart, it starts kind of, in a sense, at that lowest level, serving tenants well. None of my tenants know my name. They don't know how to get a hold of me, and I don't actually want to be the one responsible for making sure that their sink drain isn't leaking, but I want to have that manager that's the one that's there to make sure that that's being done. So think about that lowest level. How are we serving? Who are we helping? These are people's homes that we're talking about here. So we can be in control, but we don't have to get so involved ourselves that we lose our quality of life.
0: And that's so important when you start growing and building a business to that mission because that will inspire more people to become a part of it and join it because in the end people want to be part of something that they know is helping other people and providing value for others. So I found that that is one of the most important things right there. And just to be able to communicate it so effectively and very, very crisply like you just did, it's it's so important.
2: Yeah, I've been doing this for a while, so maybe it seems like it's really easy for me to be thought out, but yeah, it really goes down to that. Who are we serving? Where does this passive income stream come from? You know, where does that originate? It really originates with job creation, but it, it comes through tenants. So those are the sort of things that we need to, need to think about. And, because incomes start with jobs, and in a sense, a tenant is just kind of the beginning of that conduit of that passive income stream. You know, I was talking about the importance of markets before. The market is more important than the property. Most real estate investors make the mistake of starting with the property. When they think about real estate investing, they think, what kind of property should I get? It's completely backwards. In real estate investing, the property is only the fourth most important thing. Number one is you. What do you want? Do you want real estate to provide you with a passive stream of cash flow or appreciation or is it legacy investing for a future generation or is it just for tax breaks or what? It starts with you. What do you want real estate to do for you? Second is the geographic market and its employment viability. Third is that team, that that team of professionals like your agent like your mortgage loan officer, like your key property manager, and then only fourthly is a property because the first three don't work as we know MC, the property doesn't matter. So the property is only the fourth most important thing and a lot of people get that backwards.
0: Yeah, they they certainly do. Keith, one habit that I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently
1: learning?
2: Well, it's, you know, it's not how be, how to be the best property manager. When I've outsourced that, see, I'm able to think at, at a higher level. So with... With GetRichEducation.com and my Get Rich Education podcast, I'm trying to grow that and reach more people. I've never edited my own podcast. I've never been the sound engineer for my own show. I know even that's not my best and highest use, even though a podcast is an instrument that allows me to reach more people. I'm trying to clear my plate, MC, so I can be the visionary for pushing Get Rich Education forward. Um, One skill I'm learning is how to hire better people. I just hired an editor for our Get Rich Education newsletter and hired a headline writer to write a really good, compelling headline for the blog articles that I write for the risk advisors and for what we put in our newsletter. So it's really learning about how I can clear time to be the visionary for this company or, you know, when the heck am I going to write my first book? So I need to clear a substantial amount of time for that. And I think the overriding theme here is I'm just continuing to migrate to a better and higher use. I used to manage my own property. I learned my better and higher use was getting someone else to do that. I learned a better and higher use was then investing in other markets. And then my better... And then my best and highest use was launching Get Rich Education. And now my best and highest use is trying not to be involved in the day-to-day operations with Get Rich Education as much as I have been.
0: Working on your business and growing it and trying to reach more people not in it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, you said it. I think it's really easy to get caught in that trap and and dig down and try to look after every detail yourself. But you just got to think about the opportunity cost of not doing that next best and highest use.
0: Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset values and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
2: Well, I would say three principles is, you know, number one, it starts with creating value for others. You need to create value for other people in your life and that's how I would tell a future generation that you're going to create significance yourself. Humans have a primordial need to want to feel significant, but don't just try to be boastful. Try to help people and people are going to find you significant and you're going to become something larger than yourself when you create value for others, kind of like I do with, with my podcast and my blog. I would say, secondly, you've got to operate with integrity while you're creating value for others. For example, that's the clean, safe, affordable, and functional housing thing at that lowest level. And I guess the third core message um, in how I could leave future generations better is, gosh, just don't be afraid to do what you want to do. You need to be bold. This is not a rehearsal. This really is your life. And it's actually refreshing when you can learn how to be bold You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the wealthiest person. You don't have to be the most articulate person if you can be bold. So study, educate yourself. When your gut tells you something's right and your head backs it up, that's when it's time to act and be bold. How have I been bold? Well, uh, some people would say, you know, moving from Pennsylvania to Alaska, that was an extreme move. A lot of people looked at me like I was moving to the moon and trying to colonize it or something when I was leaving my friends in Pennsylvania and I wanted to live in Anchorage, but I knew that's what made me happy, making my first home a fourplex building. Um Figuratively burning all of my profitable buildings and turning it into a massive 1031 exchange to go ahead and purchase more buildings. That was a bold move. Quitting my job, a job that paid well where I was actually overpaid and underworked with a pension and 7.2 weeks vacation, just quitting it because I realized I have the opportunity to serve more people with get rich education. Those are just an example of some bold moves. So you got to be bold. You got to decide. And that goes back to the action is added to the knowledge is power. Once you've added action, you're going to live a life that you never thought you could.
0: No, I love it. That's fantastic advice. I mean, we're in 2017. It's time to be bold. Keith, what books would you recommend to my audience that uh, have uh, impacted your life?
2: Well, the first one's one we've all heard of. That's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Reading that about the year 2001, that inspired me to help make my first home a fourplex. I'm sure you've all heard of that. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, kind of a, a central uh, influencer and, and someone I've interviewed on the podcast that get rich education and do a lot of things for it, the Rich Dad Advisor's blog. The second book is one you might be less familiar with, Loopholes of Real Estate by Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton. It's actually a really excellent book and just digging down into what the numbers are and what real estate really does for you you know with real estate you're paid five ways at the same time reading a book like Garrett Sutton's loopholes of real estate can help with that and you know, another really classic book is How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, it starts with helping people. That's the classic Dale Carnegie book, one of the first self-help books that was ever written back in the 1930s. And actually I'm gonna help you and save you from reading 250 pages if you've never read the classic Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. We can boil it all down in four words ask others about themselves. <laughs> okay. That's how you get a person interested in you. That's how you win friends and influence people. We'll just boil 250 pages down into four words. Ask others about themselves. People don't want to hear you go on and on about yourself. Real estate is a people in numbers business. It starts with people and getting around the right people is asking them about themselves and being a good listener.
0: I love it. Keith, how can my audience learn more about you, your company, your podcast, and just keep informed of all of the projects that you're involved with?
2: It's all at the Get Rich Education podcast and getricheducation.com.
0: Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Uh, This has been a fantastic experience, and I've had a blast having you on.
2: Oh, me too. This stuff energizes me, so I really thank you for having me on, MC. Thank you.
0: Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the President and Chief Wealth Strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with a financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Keith Weinhold, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, Bridge Loan Investing to Turnkey Investments in the Cash-flowing Market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247 coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.